0: Thanks for joining us today as you listen to a portion of a message recorded at Vine Life Church in Boulder, Colorado. If you'd like to connect with us further, you can visit us online at www.vinelife.com. If you're of a, a need in your life or you just need some encouragement, there's some people back there who would love to pray with you, and so uh, you can also do that, and it'll be good. Um, a couple other things before we we head into the message. First of all, I got an update from Elaine Benavides last night. She said. Uh uh, we're, we're in a project right now where a, a lot of our students and, and children are actually writing cards to children in Iraq, and the first handful of cards got to Iraq for those children. There are about 50 to 60 cards in total that will be going there to bless the children in Iraq, and those children are, are going to write letters back to our kids, and it's a really, a really cool opportunity. So we just wanted to give you a little update there. It's awesome to be connected, so easily connected around the world, right? And even our students are writing encouraging words to kids on the other side of the planet. How awesome is that? So uh, we can't wait to keep you updated on that. Also, some, some uh, have been asking about fall carnival. Typically, at the end of October, we, uh, we have like this huge—yeah, it's a carnival. I guess that's what you call it. It's a fall carnival. It's exactly what it's called. Um, that we have uh, right around Halloween, right, that we have here. We're taking a break uh, from that this year, but we are ramping up uh, in December. It's going to be this huge community event that you guys know as Fireside Christmas. And uh, what's awesome this year is we're actually going to be partnering with a a vendor who's going to be selling Christmas trees out on the other side of the property. And on that particular night, they're going to have live reindeer, okay? Come on, live reindeer, and so it's, it's going to be just a wild time. Uh, we're going to get some more information of, uh, about that. But we just want to let you know that that's coming, uh, I think, on December 16th. It's a Friday night. It's going to be such a good time. Are you guys doing well this morning? So some of you were a little confused coming in today. Your cheese was moved, right? Somebody, it wasn't the way you left it last week, right? It's like, somebody moved my chair, right? Because you sit in the same chair every week. And we know this. Um, we, we, you came in this morning, and, and maybe that was a surprise to you, down on the bottom section in particular. Um, uh, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a little bit disorienting, isn't it? You come in, and it, it just wasn't expected, right? And so maybe some of you, this is your first time here. You have no idea what I'm talking about. Normally, our chairs face this way. Today, they're kind of facing in here today, and uh, it, kind of, it kind of feels that way, Right? Uh, where it feels a little bit disorienting, and, and if that's how you feel, then I'm glad. That's the whole point, okay? Um, because today, really, as we're, as we're continuing our conversation about worship, we're talking about orientation, right? And that sometimes we have to be reoriented, right? And so in, in order to be reoriented, we have to first be disoriented so we can find, we can re- reoriented into a new orientation, Okay? And that orientation has to do with the person and the work of Jesus. And and so some of you it's it's a strange thing because we're we're used to facing a certain direction, aren't we? We're like we're used to all the attention kind of being focused in on 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 the stage here or what the band's doing or what, what the speaker's doing. And it's not a whole lot different than than a lot of other things culturally that culturally that we're used to if you go to any sporting games, right? If you go down to a sports authority field. Right, the entire arena uh, is designed to focus you in on those, like you know, the twenty dudes on the field who are carrying a ball, right? And uh, the the entire design is about highlighting who you came to pay a ticket to go see, right? And what's happening right there. So your tension is there because that's who you're there to come see. That's who you, that's this, that's who you're there to celebrate, right? And it's not a lot different. If, you ever, if, if you've ever been to the Pepsi Center or Red Rocks for a concert, anybody here? Okay, that was, that was pathetic. You guys need to go see more concerts, I'll tell you that much. Um, if you've ever been to Red Rocks or Pepsi Center, it's the same thing. You pay your ticket master charge of $45.95 and a $25 handling fee um, to get to that concert. And, and, and the whole orientation is, is to, to receive and to, to, to bring your attention to this band, this artist, this group that's making uh, music. That's what you're there to see. And so it's a little bit tricky, as you can imagine, uh, even as the people of God, when we come into worship. And in our orientation, oftentimes, is not a whole lot different than what we experience in, in the culture. And I'm not saying that our orientation is bad when all the seats are facing this, I'm not saying it's bad, but we have to remember, even if it's just for one Sunday, even if this is just a one Sunday setup, I I think it's important that we take a moment and remember who is the main center of attention as we come together as the people of God. And can I remind you that it's not a band and it's it's not a speaker, Right? And it's not a few people who are elevated four feet higher above everybody else and the lights and attention are on that. We gather as the people of God centered on the one, the God who came in flesh incarnate to live among us, to walk this earth with us, to sympathize with us, to show us that we were created in his likeness and that in the ultimate display of love. And affection and sacrifice. He, he, he found himself nailed to a cross with the crown of thorns on his head, but that he didn't stay on the cross. He, he didn't stay there. He, he left the cross. He, he did something on the cross and he left the cross and he went to the grave, but he didn't stay in the grave because the life inside him was too much for a grave to handle. And so he punched a hole through the other side of death and came out the other side. And it's this Jesus that we come who wins the affections of our hearts and the attentions of our mind. And so, and so when we come together as the people of God, let us not be mistaken. Our experience of worship is not just funneled through a few people on stage or funneled through the guy who speaks every Sunday. It's, 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 it's the privilege, it's the honor of those who find themselves in in Christ, that when we come into this place, we have no other choice but to turn our eyes uh, upon Jesus, to look to him as the, as the heavens, as the cloud of witnesses, as we just read. Look on all sides. We look on all sides as well, and we turn our attention to the one who came and saved us all through his great love and everything he did. Come on. And it's a, so it's a recalibration. What does it look like to be a people? Where the quality of our worship isn't determined by how well somebody's singing or how well we like the song or how much we connect with the points of the sermon or how funny the, the teacher was. Right? And, and, and I think that sometimes, come on, if we're not careful, and I know that we, some of us, we know this, right? We've probably heard variations of this message before. We know this, but come on, there's this, these cultural currents that, that draw our attention to other things as if our worship has to be funneled through somebody else. And there's others, these mediators, right? That I'm gonna worship through their worship. I'm gonna worship, I'm gonna connect to God through them. But do you see how that's kind of problematic? And so and and and, and what we have to remind ourselves is this this was not this is not an uncommon scenario. In fact, the people of God found themselves in the same place before Jesus, right? So the people of Israel and all of Scripture, as they were learning what it meant to be a people, um, they had different orientations. You know, as they would go through the desert, as they would camp around the presence of God, and they would follow the ark, they were doing their best to do what God was doing. But even then, they couldn't relate directly to God. They had to relate through a person, right? And so all throughout the Old Testament, we, we read about these people that God would anoint to represent the people of God. And so we read about the priests, for instance. And, and the priests, the priests were the ones who represented man to God. Okay, So they're the ones who stood between man and God. You see, he couldn't, God was so holy that when, when, we, when our relationship with him was fractured, when sin came and, and, and scarred and marked and fractured um, the human heart, it, it wasn't easy enough for just every person to connect because he was a holy God. He had to anoint certain people to represent the people. Okay. And so what was required of these priests was much, much more than what was required of everybody else. And he couldn't just have everybody coming. There had to be people that were set apart to live a holy lifestyle, that had to, that had to have a righteousness that somehow tried to measure up to what was holy in God's eyes. And so these, these men, these priests would be anointed. And as they were anointed, they would represent the people. And so they would once a year come and bring sacrifices to God on behalf of the people. So they would stand in between, right? And they would approach the presence of God and they would mediate. They would actually intercede. They would carry with them the heart and the burden of the prayers for, for the people of God. And God would anoint the priests as man was trying to, to, be, to connect with God and to be in relationship with God on every level. The priest like Aaron, like Eli, like Phineas, like there's a whole list of, of the high priests. The people depended on the priest to maintain that relationship with God. So there was a dependency. They needed that priest to act as a, as a go-between. But then, but then God would also annoy others to be mouthpieces from God back to man. So if a priest had to do with a man relating to God, the prophets had to do with God relating back to man. And so God chose not to speak just to everybody, but he would anoint certain individuals as the mouthpiece so that the people could hear his heart. And so prophets like Samuel, like Elijah, Elisha, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, they were set apart by God to, to represent his heart to the people. They were messengers by God who spoke for God. And oftentimes they would come and Either speak words of encouragement, but like we read in the Old Testament, mostly words of correction, which is why everybody wanted to throw rocks at them, right? Which is pretty common. the litmus test for a good prophet in the Old Testament was how many times you got stoned, right? Because as they were trying their best to represent the heart of God and to, and to agitate or correct or just adjust, or whatever it was, it wasn't always received. But this was God, God's attempts as well to communicate to his people. And so, so the priests would represent the people, the prophets would represent God back to the people, and the prophets were depended on so that the people could know the heart of God. So the people depended on priests to maintain relationship with God, and then people depended on the prophet so that they could actually know the heart of God. You guys realize that? Like they, it wasn't something like anybody could just do whatever they wanted not everybody had access on that level. So they, had, they were highly dependent on a few people to do their job and to represent the people well, to represent God well. But then there was a, a, third, a third person that God would anoint as well. And these were the kings. And the kings, as we know, are the ones who have supreme authority over a territory. And the kings were anointed by God to bring order, safety, provision, And some resemblance of what the kingdom of God was supposed to look like on earth. And and we know that this didn't go very well either, did it? It's hard to imagine why we had kings in the first place. Like we asked, we were the ones who asked God, God, we want a king. It says that, you know, that they asked the Lord, God, we want a king like the other nations. And God honored that request and gave them kings uh, to lead them. And the king was responsible to represent how God rules on earth, right? And so we, we read about Saul, we read about David, we read about Solomon, and then everybody else after that. And it started to go a little bit south with pretty much every one of them. But people depended on the kings for that sense of security and identity. And so can, can you imagine what this must have been like if you were a nation or a people where there's really a few people that every, everyone's banking on a few people, to get it right, and to hear right from God, and to represent God well. So the priests, they depended on to maintain the connection, the relationship, the intimacy with God. The prophets, they they relied on, they depended on, because they were the ones who knew the heart of God, and knew exactly what God was doing. The kings, they depended on, you know, to to represent how God wanted to reign and rule among their nation, and, and nobody else had access to that. And so all three of them were in place that God anointed, but that wasn't part of God's plan from the beginning, was it? That's how God intervened after sin entered the picture, but that wasn't God's plan in the beginning that just a few people would, would represent all of the people. And so enter Jesus into the scene, the Messiah, the anointed one who would come. Do you guys know that, that Christ is not just Jesus' last name? You guys know that? My name is Christ, Jesus Christ, right? Like most people, like I bet if you surveyed most Americans, like Christ is is absolutely Jesus' last name, right? Mr. Christ is what people called him. Um, And so do you guys understand that the word Christ, as Jesus came, that word is not just his last name. It's a word that means anointed one. And why was he the anointed one? Because there is only a few type of people that needed anointing. And in the Old Testament, there is three types of people that needed to be anointed to maintain relationship with God, to connect to the heart of God, to rule wisely in God's eyes. And who were they? The priests, the prophets, and the kings. So as Jesus would come as the Messiah, the Christ, he came as the anointed one saying, listen, there is a new day here. No longer am I going, are you going to rely on the middleman? man? But I am going to take the place of your prophets, your priests, and your kings. And I am going to be the one that as you come to me, as you turn your attention to me, as you cry out to me, as you call out to my name, I will be the one that you have direct access to the Father. You have direct access to heaven through the person and work of Jesus Christ, the anointed one. And this is such good news because his plan from the beginning was that we would walk with him that we would know him he designed adam and eve not to have to go through anybody else but to know him intimately to know to rule and reign with him on earth right to represent his kingdom to not have to rely on somebody what did jesus say or what did god say right? Is everything good with God today? That's not how he designed us. And so as Jesus would come, he wanted to restore us back into the reality of Eden, where we could walk and talk with God, where you don't have to rely on somebody else for your connection with God. You don't have to rely on somebody else to hear the heart of God. You don't have to rely on somebody else for, to know the, what the kingdom of God is like that happens through this one man, this God man, Jesus Christ, who He's given us direct access to. And can we just be recalibrated on that today? That Jesus, the anointed one, Acts 10.38 says this, that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And as he would be baptized, the Holy Spirit of God would, would come upon him and smear him as is to, to anoint him that he would come out and say, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. He's anointed me. All these people that you've relied on in the past, all these structures, these things that you've placed your hope in. He said, listen, your salvation is my name. Your salvation is in me. He came perfectly as a priest, right? Hebrews 4.14 Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. that He is the high priest who performed perfectly. As he would give himself as that sacrifice, he 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 would atone for our sins, right? Fully representing us, he would become our mediator for all of eternity between us and the Father, our advocate in the heavens. So that as as we fall, right, so that as we sin, he can still vouch for us in heaven saying, listen, my body, my blood, my death has paid for anything wrong that they will do as they trust in my name. And so he's vouching in heaven. He's still interceding with the Holy Spirit on your behalf. That's a good high priest right there. He came, he came as a prophet. And even this would just tick off people. Again, people just wanted to throw rocks at him. John 8 Says, your fa-, he says, your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. And he's talking to the, the Pharisees here. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and, it, and it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old and you have seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out, of the, went out of the temple. Before Abraham was, I am. What is he saying there? Listen, you, you have your prophets, but I was before them. Jesus came not only as a prophet, but as a prophetic word. What does God have to say to us? The, you know the most powerful prophetic word you ever have over your life? Jesus. He is the living prophetic word. He's everything God had in mind for you and I. So as Jesus would come as the word made flesh, he was not only a prophet, he was the prophecy. He was the one, and he's still speaking. So we look to him. Jesus is the heart of God. You ever wonder what God's like? Look at Jesus, right? You will never find anything about God that is not represented in the person of Jesus. Fully incarnate, the brilliance and radiance of God made flesh. That is what it means to be a prophet, to, to represent the heart of God to the people. For everybody that was wondering, Jesus came and said, hey, you ever wondered what the Father's like? Just, just look at me, because the Father and I are one. Jesus is a priest, he's a prophet, and he's a king. He's a king different than our kings. He's a king different than any king that we would want him to be. And they wanted him to rule in a certain way. He refused to rule in that way. He, he came to rule in a different way, namely this said so you want to see what leadership looks like right you you want leadership pin me to the cross we asked for him to come up here and he came down here to show us a new way of ruling and reigning and that's why in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 20 He worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age but in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills all in all. And come on, if there's a day that we need to, to re understand the rulership and the lordship of Jesus Christ, it's today. He came as a king above all kings, that came and, and, and bent down and took the cloth around his waist and came and washed the feet of the ones he loved, even when they tried to get him not to. He came to serve, not to be served. And so, Jesus, Jesus, the one who came. He came to cut out the middle man so that he could become our, alternate, our ultimate righteousness before God. He could become our ultimate revelation in search of God. He could become our ultimate authority as we look for a new kind of rulership on this earth. And what this has to do with worship is that when we worship God and we turn our orientation to this man, Jesus, what's happening is that we're reminded that that the, all the middlemen have been cut out. All of the fluff and the structures in the middle have been cut off. We don't have to go through a worship leader or through a person or through somebody else to get to him. You can call on the name of the Lord with your own voice and your own heart. That is good news. You get to call on the name of Jesus. You. You don't have to wait for somebody else to do it for you. You don't have to rely or depend on somebody else to tell you what he's thinking. You get to ask him yourself come on, that's really good news for us today. And here's why I believe this is important, especially in a day where everyone, I believe, is trying to make sense of what God is doing on earth. And we're looking to people. We're looking to people to solve certain problems. Even in, in the, the, the church, 1 Corinthians 3, 4 through 7, this was happening. In Paul's writing to the Corinthians. He says, for one, when one says, I follow Paul, another says, I follow Apollos. Right? which were both apostles who were making the rounds so around Asia Minor. One says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollo. So Are you not being merely human? And that word human it's like, are, are you not being infantile? Are you not being, like, it, really? You're going to come down here? because you think you're following these people? When then is Apollos? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. And so here's, here's, where, I, here's like where the rubber meets the road, I really believe for us here today. And this is what I, again, this is what I believe happens in Worship. I believe that Jesus is teaching us again how to be dependent on him. And what's happening in our nation, particularly right now, um, is very interesting. Don't you feel a little bit of shaking? Uh, and, and particularly, I, I believe for Christians, um, if you pay attention to the conversation long enough, um, you, can, you can hear some, sometimes the uncertainty because the answers aren't as clear as they thought they were before. And so things that we used to put our trust in, be it political parties or different r- routes of doing this or that, and, and we said this is how God actually makes manifest his kingdom in this nation, it's not quite as easy. What I think is actually happening right now, as the answers aren't as clear as they have seemed to be before, is while that's creating this tension and this stirring and a disorientation and nobody quite knows where to look, what is the Holy Spirit doing? The Holy Spirit is teaching us again what it looks like for the church to, to be dependent on the voice of our Lord Christ, Jesus Christ. I, I, believe, I believe the church is in a great day and when the way we're experiencing, the way it's manifesting right now is in disorientation, but what's on the other side of that? It's a, re, a recapturing of our attention, a relearning how to pay attention to the whispers of the Holy Spirit where we don't have to rely on somebody else's discernment we don't have to rely on what somebody else says we think we should do. We get to ask Jesus, Jesus, what is your heart here? And you have given it to us through through yourself that you you you've been able to cut out the middleman. No, what am I saying? Am I saying that leaders and pastors and worship leaders are bad? That's not what I'm saying. They're incredibly needed. I think our president is, is is this is an important presidency. I really believe that. I believe all of us should vote. You should vote. But I, I will say this, though. Um, in the church in particular, the Lord is, is teaching us a new way of leadership that, che- that, that keeps Jesus in the center. So, so in, a, in, in another day, people, you know, I think today Christians often become dependent on the teacher or the pastor to tell them what God thinks and what they should do. And we've created dependencies upon good sermons. And worship leaders have maybe created dependencies on good music. But I'll tell you, a good pastor, a good pastor, a good shepherd, is one who doesn't just tell you what to do, but will lead you to be dependent on the voice of the good shepherd, who is Jesus. Okay, if a pastor is ever leading you to become dependent on them, that is not a good pastor. <laughs> There's still a room for a pastor, but pastors work to increase dependence, like you can hear from the good, you, can, you know his voice. Same thing with prophets. prophets. Prophets are still active. The prophetic voice is still active in the church. But a good prophet, it doesn't just roll around telling us what God thinks, like they're the only ones who know. Yeah, they, they have certain revelation that God gives them, but ultimately a good prophet is one who equips you and hooks you up with your own high-speed internet connection to heaven to hear God for yourself. That's a good prophet. And a prophet is one who can have equip you and encourage you to say, listen, you have access through the same Christ to the heavenly places, right? A good worship leader isn't just one that gets you to sing the songs, but good worship leaders, and we talk about this a lot even on the worship team, good worship leaders are, a good worship leader will help you launch into your own song. And they're not here to get you into the presence of God or to get you somewhere. They're here to, make, to help you become aware of the presence that's already around you. And so leadership is unbelievably important. But when we lead with Jesus at the center, it changes everybody's orientation. And I believe that even as we're looking for what does the kingdom of God look like in our nation, and we're asking God, who are the leaders that you want to raise up? Who are the ones that you're anointing right now? I think that's a really good question. But but keep in mind that the kingdom of God doesn't come by leaders imposing that upon a nation. Because of Jesus, The leader, uh, the kingdom of God comes as the kingdom emerges and surfaces in the hearts of sons and daughters. The kingdom of God grows inside of us and moves out. It's not imposed by somebody else from the outside. And I believe we're in a day where God is teaching us what it looks like for the kingdom to continue to emerge from within. And not a dependency on what's happening on the outside. And in the next few weeks, you know, it continues to shake. And I know you guys are part of those conversations. And listen, we're not getting into a lot of political things here here or there in this room right here, okay? But I will teach, I will tell you, as I've been in this place of intercession, I cannot get away from the fact that I believe what the Holy Spirit is doing within the hearts of the church in particular is increasing dependence and that is incredibly uncomfortable for a lot of us that haven't been used to discerning what his voice sounds like. And you're gonna come out on this other side, I believe, dependent upon hearing his whisper and his voice. And the question for you today is, are you listening for it? Are you listening? And I know it's hard sometimes. I totally get it. I know it's hard. But Jesus, but Jesus, rich in mercy, he came, he came to take away, to become the middleman himself. That as we center around him, as we call on him, we become a new kind of people. Our nation becomes a new kind of nation. Where we're not just dependent on our, our 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 own giftings and our own fascinated with our own abilities and our own leadership, but we're dependent on what He is doing and paying attention to how His kingdom is taking shape and how we can be a part of where He's already at work. And so, so this morning, I believe you know, as, as we gather here and in in a moment here, I believe that where we're being led is to receive the body and blood of Jesus in communion, to recognize that Christ is fully present, fully present, not through somebody else, but through himself, he is fully present and available to us to restore relationship with God, to connect us with the heart of heaven, to show us what his leadership and his lordship looks like, And I believe is that as we come to the table today and we do that, we reorient ourselves around him. I believe that he's going to show each and every one of us here this morning. He's going to give you a glimpse of maybe an area of your life that you get to confess and say, God, I put my trust over here, but today, Jesus, I know that you're leading me to put my trust in your name alone. I've trusted in this. I've trusted in this for my provision. I've trusted in this for my security. I've trusted in this for my identity or for my intimacy. And I believe the Holy Spirit is wanting to show us again. No, 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 no. You've trusted in those things. But this is a season where he's shaking everything that can be shaken. And you have an opportunity to say yes and amen, to repent and believe, to change the way you, you think about where your trust is really found. Everybody take a deep breath. (laughs) So Father, this morning, I thank you for your word that you speak to us. I thank you, Jesus, that you were anointed as the Christ and you came to us, God, to show us a new way to, to help us return to our original design and creation, God, that you, you came, Lord God, for, for those of us, Jesus, that have tried getting to you through all these different things, I thank you that there's a path straight through your name, that you are the doorway, that Jesus, you are the door. You are the way, you are the truth, and you are the life. And this morning, God, as we receive communion, I thank you, Lord Jesus, to reorient us, not just in this room, but in the way we live and the way we think, God. I thank you to reorient us around your lordship, your prophetic voice, God, the way you lead us as our high priest. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that your presence is continuing to become more of a reality as we place our trust in your name. Amen. So let's, let's do this as the, as the band begins to play. Um, we're all going to come to the table in the middle. So I, I wanna, what I want to do is I want to release everybody in the bottom section to maybe form two lines, both sides of the table, and, and, and bring the, the cup and the bread and bring it back to your seat. And when they're done, um, the upper level can come down as well and, and get the cup and bread and bring it back to your seat. And we're going to um, pray one more time together. And we're going to go back into worship, and we're going to orient ourselves around him all right all right so bottom section go go ahead